Thanks for being here. You've reached the podcast of Vernon First Baptist Church. My name is Randy Ham. I'm one of the pastors here, and I invite you to join us this summer in Seeking God Together as we explore spiritual disciplines. And this week we have a special guest speaker, a good friend of mine, my former pastor, David Jenkins. He's come up from Georgia, and you'll hear me introduce him in a little bit uh, during the recording but uh, I'm going to turn it over to Hayun first um, as she reads from Psalm 139. And we explore being fearfully and wonderfully made. What does it mean to honor our bodies? How is that a spiritual discipline? And David has some great words from you. So open your hearts to him and hear, hear what the Lord has to say to you today. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are beautiful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book, before one of them came to be. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Well, it's my privilege to invite David Jenkins to come up. He has helped us with uh, some circle discussions that we've had, introduced the circle way to us, a real gift to us. He was my pastor in Vancouver, and then he's a pastor in Kaledon. They have since moved back to Georgia and uh, left us, but they're up for a visit, and he agreed to come. And I know that this topic, as we talk through God within us, and honoring our bodies, and how to rethink some things. I know that he has some words for us this week, so please welcome David Jenkins. Thanks, Randy. Thank you. It is so good to be here. Um, I love this morning. I I love that that prayer, you and Miranda. Thank you. Um, I, I love that I can bring that back with me to, um, I want to get a copy of that, because I do, I want to bring that back with me when we go back to the States, so thank you for thinking of your neighbors to the South. Um, I do, as as Randy said, I've had time in Vancouver, time in Kaledon down in Skaha Lake, and now that we're in Georgia and the U.S., I do try to bring the best of Canadian, I hope I'm not misusing this word, but kind of evangelize a little of the South, you know, with with some of the best of, of Canadian culture. Uh, but sometimes I also want to bring some things to you. So I want to say, hey, y'all. <laughs> it's, it's so important. We're trying to convince the hams, like, y'all is the best possible second person plural that you can use. I mean, it's, it's just useful. I try to take the best of culture and bring it with me. So um, good morning, y'all. Good to, good to be here with you. Um, thanks, for, thanks for our music this morning. Uh, I'm a piano player. I love playing when, when Hannah leads. I, I've always loved playing with her. Um, we, we flow really well together. And, and thank you for your piano playing. It's, it's fun that you're, you're doing the bass down here to roll those lines. And then when it's important and you hit the high notes to bring it in, it's really good. So um, thank you for that. And all of you, um, I was... I was mentored by Rob DeCoats in Vancouver as a spiritual director. And he taught me to see, taste, feel, smell the presence of the Spirit among us 
when we gathered on Sunday morning. And, and he just, he simply called it the buzz. He's like, the buzz is here. Yeah. And, and that's what I had this morning, even before we got started, just as everyone was coming in, it was like, oh, it's that buzz. Um, as best I can say, the presence of the Spirit among us. So thank you, everybody, as you're, as you're a part of that with this church. Our key verse, and you've heard it now a bit, is that we are fearfully and we are wonderfully made. It speaks of our bodies. This is a verse that is encompassed in Psalm 139. And Psalm 139, it is, after Psalm 23, it may be one of the most well-known. Psalm 1, another one being some other ones that may be important to you. But Psalm 139, really well, really well-known. It is, uh, I think... Uh, and arguably the most intimate, most intimate psalm that we have. It speaks about bodies, the formation of bodies. We may be in an age where we're okay with that. There's other times some theologians have struggled with this. This psalm is uh, so intimate. They sometimes think, you know, can, can we see this intimate of a God as also being the all-powerful God over all things? So some people, I just note this over time, have struggled a bit with this psalm. Uh, but as it speaks about the formation of bodies, I want to use that as a chance to talk about bodies, to talk about Jesus' body, to talk about my body, to talk about our bodies. And I want to talk about Christian spiritual practice as it relates to the body. That's an important part that we're going to kind of finish with. And you can hear it in Psalm 139. It says it's of David. Uh, so uh, we usually attribute it to David having written this. It's also of Israel. This was Israel's worship as well. And so it is of also the worshiping community. And there is story that is woven in that. You can hear in Psalm 139, there is story that is so much story behind this. Maybe it is, uh, we know David was pursued by many who were seeking his life. Uh, we know that he also had intimate communion, quiet nights, often by himself with God. Uh, he also had a time when he was living among murderers. I know some commentaries say that he wrote this at that time. So story is behind Psalm 139. And uh, so I take that as an uh, introduction to say, I want to weave some of my story. Um, I had a lot of my story I wanted to share, but I really want to get to that spiritual practice part. So I'm just going to share a little of my story as it, as it relates but it's woven into this message, along with a uh, kind of intense uh, spoken word that I've written. And, and I'm really, really excited to say now that my spoken word has been translated into Korean. Uh, that's, that's amazing. Like, this is a gift. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but first, first I want to do just a little short book. Uh, when I was younger, I couldn't wait to grow up. And now that I'm older, I really see that truth that everything we need to know we learned in kindergarten. So I substitute with middle schools and with high schoolers. I mean, these we've got like the top football program in the state. And so these football players, well, I, I read them children's books. <laughs> That's how I usually start my classes. I read them children's books and I say, everything you need to know about life can be found in these children's books. So sometimes now they'll come and they'll like sit down in front and everything, just kind of return to that moment. It's fantastic. I love it. So uh, just a little bit of wisdom from the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. So here we go. What do you think success is? Asked the boy. To love, said the mole. 
Oh, and I let everybody, oh, we can do this. I let everybody in class, I say, you can say, aw, afterwards. So there we go. Okay, all right, great. Next one. I got you a delicious cake, said the mole. Oh, did you? Yes. Well, where is it? I ate it, said the mole. Oh, but I got you another one. Did you? Where's that one? The same thing seems to have happened. Oh, there we go. Okay, next one. Um, do you have a favorite saying, asked the boy? Yes, said the mole. Well, what is it? If at first you don't succeed, have some cake. I see. Does it work? Every time. <laughs> Good one. What do you think the biggest waste of time is? Comparing yourself to others, said the mole. Oh, can't you imagine this in high school and people being like, yeah, <laughs> right? Okay. Um, and then this is the final one of just for this morning. It's a beautiful book. I wonder if there is a school of unlearning. And yeah, thanks. Oh. <laughs> and I added that. I wanted to bring that because I wanted to title this talk, What I've Learned. And then I thought, you know, it's sometimes it's more important what I'm unlearning. Sometimes it's more important what I'm unlearning. Um, like, and this is where I start to get a little intense here. I, I'm unlearning anxiety is one. Um, there's a spoken word that I wrote. I do need to tell you ahead of time, this, this may be intense for some of you. It's a piece I wrote about the experience of a panic attack. And if that's too much for you, please, like, Take a space if you need to. Be like, oh, I think I need to refill. Do we have coffee? Not yet. I need to refill my coffee or water or something like that. Um, do that if you need to. Sometimes you need to. Or I'm like, you can also just plug your ears and go la, 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 la. Just, just quietly, please. <laughs> okay. Um, I say that because I have been surprised at times when something's come up. So like on TV, I've seen panic attacks portrayed, and, uh, and it wrecks me when I see that. So I don't want to surprise you with this. I don't want you to be blindsided in a place that should be a safe setting. So that's why I want to just let me slowly introduce you this to you. And some of you are going to think this is no big deal. And I am, I am genuinely happy for you because panic attacks are hard for me. So I am happy for you if this is no big deal. Um, for you. But here we go. Okay, it's called the panic. Never looked for, never welcomed. Arriving with your vehemence in a moment of inconvenience. How can I prepare when it comes from nowhere, this insidious, venomous parasite that preys on my fear? If I had known that it was coming, a virus that was silently loading, exponentially growing, I would have stopped it at inception. Never allowed the conception, severed the connection, cured the infection. Breathe. It is the creeping shade of colorless gray. Feelings that I cannot allay. To see, smell, taste everything and nothing with silence that is constantly roaring. Without warning, the wave hits, frothing and crashing. I am pinned down and drowning, completely surrounded with no grounding. Alone, I'm wordlessly shouting. Why doesn't anyone see it, feel it, hear it? I feel too much. Please take this uninvited guest. These alert senses, these firing synapses must rest. Breathe. I know that I've been hiding this. It's embarrassing. 
But I'm bursting at the seams and it's got to come out somewhere, ideally with someone who cares. This is the closest that I can come to free. Though I don't need you to fix me, just be. A non-anxious presence is the strongest antidepressant. When you don't judge me, when you don't shame me, when you handle your own anxiety, then the raging sea settles within me. It was in 2018 in particular that panic attacks became a regular uninvited guest in my life. At the start, I usually recognize I've been holding my breath. <laughs> you'll hear breathe in the poem. You'll hear it sometimes and as I speak. A wave of panic hits. It washes over. Um, it takes all of my attention. I feel like I'm going to pass out, like I have to fight for consciousness. Um, and I have learned it is much worse if I've had coffee or caffeine. So <laughs> careful now. <laughs> they started... As best I can say, because I had carried too much anxiety for far too long. And when I started to let go of some of that anxiety, when I started on a good journey, my body didn't know what to do with the shift. And so panic attacks. And then I am left wondering what happens when our bodies seem fearful and not wonderfully So let's talk about the background of trauma. There are times as people living in these bodies that we may experience trauma. Physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, and we could probably break that into other places. The trauma can and does happen. My own came in the aftermath of unresolved conflicts. And I use the word Trauma. I do, I choose to use it often because I think it is important to name trauma. To not just say, oh, that was just something bad. But trauma does happen, though I do differentiate. Most of my trauma, if not all, has been what I would call minor trauma. There is major trauma out there, and I recognize that. Uh, but I talk about trauma in general because I think it's important to name it. And by trauma, I'm talking about difficult moments where I had little or no agency. And I'm talking about scenes and conversations that replay over and over and over and over on repeat and thereby led to some of my struggle with panic attacks. Now, we get a lot of stories about Jesus, and, and I actually, as I'm preparing this, I'm kind of wondering, I, I, did Jesus experience trauma I kind of look at it both ways. Maybe yes, maybe no. He certainly had traumatic moments. We, we can see that much for sure. Did he experience trauma? Uh, good, good question for pondering theologians. Maybe around the fire we'll talk about tonight. I, yeah, I don't know. But, um, but there was traumatic moments. And like Jesus, um, I was marked by trauma that came from well-intentioned people. Unlike Jesus, I didn't know how to handle it very well. I actually thought about also titling this talk about how I'm not like Jesus. <laughs> what I've learned about how I'm not like Jesus. There, I put it all together. But I have learned. I have learned um, about some healing from trauma. Um, and in the longer version of the sermon, I even mentioned um, Sharon Watt 
in this, actually, because uh, she gave me some permission at the time when I was healing. I like to say that, you know, I followed Jesus in his footsteps to the desert, except it only took him 40 days to sort everything out, and three years later, I was still trying to get it sorted, but <laughs> thank you, Sharon, for also helping me learn um, along that way. Uh, but one of the things I've learned about trauma is that I don't think it is heartless when Jesus or his disciples ask someone, do you want to be better? Do you want to be better? Because it seems to me that no person has ever been healed by being a victim. And we have times and we have seasons that it is, and this is part of, I think, what Sharon shared with me, is that it's okay. It's okay to sit and to be a victim. Um, but my own, uh, and well, I want to say too, there's, there's a lot to be gained, even by those who are victims, uh, they can create societal change. As we even prayed this morning, I do hope that people who are victims are, that are speaking up in Congress can change some of the things that are happening in the U.S. of A. right now. So I am not opposed or against to uh, those who are living as victims and even the time where I have had to. However, I have not known in my experience of victims being able to experience full shalom. Every story I've heard, read, or lived from war to apartheid to the stuff I usually encounter like broken relationships, everything I know says no one receives complete healing. No one receives shalom by continuing to live as a victim. And we can see a bit of movement, right? I see a movement in Psalm 139 where there is a victim-styled lament. Oh, that you would slay the wicked. Um, I learned comments like this are really useful sometimes for being able to just get out whatever it is on our, on our chest, on our hearts, on our minds. Uh, Richard Foster's book on prayer speaks of this really well of simple prayer. Like, this is something I need to say. And I count this as a victim-styled lament. It's a good petition for a victim, especially, again, we know there is a story behind this with David. But this is not the final word of the psalm. It is not the final word. It is not the final stanza. Instead, we see the psalm change again. The psalm changes to search me and know me. That is a shift. Search me and know me. That is someone who has been on a journey that now instead of being stuck as a victim, the psalmist is like, but search me and know me. Not everybody else, search me and know me. And I look again and I think of Jesus in some of his stories. Um, there's so many times Jesus could have, as we say, called, played the victim card. Um, he had her, a, a, you know, a right, I guess. Uh, but I think of like, right before he's being crucified, there's this moment, James and John, they're arguing about who's the greatest in the kingdom. And, and, and I'm putting my place in Jesus' shoes where he could have been like, don't you guys get it? I'm about to go through rejection, denial, great pain. I'm about to die, and you're coming to me arguing about who is the greatest. Uh, this is a moment Jesus had a right to play uh, victim. If it were me, I think I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to back to carpentry. <laughs> Y'all are the worst. So there's my southern Jesus right there. You know. 
So suffice it to say, this is where I'm coming from when I say Jesus wasn't caught up in his own victimhood. And again, to say I'm not Jesus, but I am trying to learn. Um, so that's some of my story. And, and the question that I want to say now, well, what about our bodies? Uh, where's this going with our bodies? Because that's the theme of this reflection. I wanted to first give you a bit of my own story, a bit of my own journey, because you need to know about the history that I carry in this body. Or I recently had a phrase that I read and I loved that says, our bodies bear knowledge. And um, I thought that was a beautiful way of saying it. And I say that this story is a part of our body because we are integrated. We are integrated human beings. We are coming to know more and more about this as time goes on, as even research goes on. Uh, but it's there. I see it even in Psalm 139. If we were to take a literal translation of verse 13, and that's what comes right before 14, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The literal translation is, for you gave birth to my kidneys. I think right around here, if I'm right. You gave birth to my kidneys. You wove me together in my mother's womb. It's a stanza that represents God as this skillful weaver embroidering his magnum opus in this studio that is the, the dark chamber of the womb. But what are these kidneys about? The ancients associated body parts with different attributes and the kidneys were the seat of emotion. Yahweh, called the great I am in this psalm, made the kidneys. Yes, the weaver integrated our emotions. Woven right in and amongst and inseparable. That's what weaving does, right? Inseparable from our physical bodies. Uh, so that this psalm is not simply about the physical creating, but the everything creating part of our bodies. Our physical, our emotional, our mental, our spiritual. And we see it in Jesus. In Jesus in bodily form, he had emotions, he had physical attributes, and they were woven together. Jesus' sorrow creating tears. Jesus' anguish sweated blood. Jesus' joy created celebrations. Jesus' compassion caused his legs to travel around the countryside. Jesus' body models the integration that we all experience. And this is where I come to say we are fearfully and wonderfully woven together. There was a seminal book not too long ago. It researched and it documented the fascinating connections that many of us have been experiencing, learning as time goes on, that connects between trauma, emotional experiences, and our body's physical responses. Um, there was a good book called The Body uh, Keeps Score. It helped me finish drawing the connections I had of things like the ongoing um, back pain that I had and learning that it wasn't just a physical thing, that usually that came because I needed to ask myself, what am I not acknowledging? What am I not dealing with? And that changed my experience of back pain when I learned that. And in connection to um, my panic attacks, I learned something really important. Again, 
I am integrated. So something that was very important I learned about my panic attacks was that they happen because my body's trying to protect me. My body's trying to protect me. They come when there's a sound, a smell, a situation that makes my body think it's being threatened. This is something that is amazing about the way we are designed. We change our breathing, our heartbeats, our minds. They become hyper-aware whenever we are threatened. The problem being, when no threat actually exists, then such a heightened state feels like panic, not like preparation. But the reality being, my body is trying to protect me. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, and our bodies really are amazing. If I have an injury or a threat of an injury, my body's going to tighten around that area to protect it. An injury oftentimes comes, it happens to our bodies because our bodies were relaxed, they were unsuspecting, and so our bodies protect us by then tightening around these places that we've been injured because they don't want to be caught off guard again. And so our bodies tighten so often that is the pain that we experience. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And sometimes healing can only be found through that realization. Now for those of you who are aging, which would be everybody, just some of us aren't as aware of it as others. For those of you that are aging, our bodies are fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, In the schools, the kids seem to think that I'm about 25 years old. Uh, I'm not. Um, I'm, I'm 41, which is still pretty young, but, um, you know, I like to be active, but it is not the same as when I was 25. Uh, I'm playing now in a, in a soccer league, and I used to show up five minutes before, a little, little stretch, go running out. Uh, now it's different. Now it's a full 45 minutes of warm-up if I even want to have the possibility of walking off that field um, at the end of the game. It is true that parts of our bodies do wear down. They do stop working or not working as well as they used to. That is what happens in life. But our bodies are fearfully and wonderfully made. They do not, they do not give up. If you're hearing this message, then I know your body has not given up. Most symptoms of pain or imbalance, as I was talking about, that tightening and those things that happen, they're usually a sign that your body is trying to cope, trying to adjust to the changes. As one translation says, I am fearfully extraordinary. Your works are wonderful, I know full well. So my little bits of reflections here, they are centered on what we call embodiment centered on embodiment. And I observe Jesus had a body that may seem really obvious. I've referred to it a few times. But it's actually a really weighty statement. It's a weighty statement to say that Jesus had a body. I know of no other religion that considers God to have a body the way that we, as followers of Jesus, Considered that our God dwelled among us in bodily form. It is a stumbling block for many others that our God dwelled among us in bodily form. So it is important to me 
deepen that link. That our God had a body, that we have a body. That we have been given these bodies to enact our spiritual lives, to enact the missions that we have been given, to enact, serve next week, wherever it is that we are going and what we are doing, that these are the bodies that we have been given, woven together in the womb. Um, so I asked the question, what if paying attention to our bodies, what if caring for our bodies counted as godliness? We know it's a good thing to do, you know, go to the dentist every six months-ish, you know. We know brushing our teeth is a good thing to do. We go to the doctor, they say, well, these exercises could help you. We know it's a good thing to do. What if, what if it counted as godliness? What if intentionally living within these frames was a spiritual practice? For me, that changes. That changes my attitude towards taking care of my body. Uh, it changes my practices. And not too long ago, there were not that many resources on this topic. There is now a growing library of resources that link our bodies and spiritual practice. It even popped up on my social media feed last week. I don't know if that's because somebody's tracking me or it's just out there everywhere. I'm not sure which, but it was on there. It was on there. Um, one of the resources I'm most familiar with that has been around for a little while is uh, Barbara Brown Taylor's book, An Altar in the World. I do love that book. She has a chapter on the practice of wearing skin. What an interesting way of putting it. Practice of wearing skin. She also has a chapter on the practice of saying thank you. Uh, so I've kind of grabbed both those practices, put them together, and I want to complete our time by how we put those two practices together. And I use an exercise in a gathering that I lead called um, Unravel, the Cure for Loneliness, Pain, and Grief. It's, it's a group that I gather. We meet together. We get to know each other. And so after we've been together for a while, we practice some uh, body movement, uh, some, you know, getting up and, and moving around. Now, I've only been with you for a little while, I know, so um, I'm, I'm not going to make you get up and you know, freely move about. That, that'd be, that'd be kind of awkward, I know. I get it. I get it. Um, but I want to do, in this age of screens and of Zoom and of being at home a lot, I do want to see if we can stretch our comfort zone and do just a little bit, just a little bit of movement as we say a thank you to our bodies. It's, it's really beautiful. Brendan, if you want to come on up, he's going to give us a little bit of the background uh, contemplative movement. As we do this, <clears throat> we're going to keep it simple. And, and I don't know if you've ever had, it's not much more than you. There's the practice of when we're praying for each other, we may reach out. Um, it's about that much movement. So I want to be able to start just with, we'll just do our hands and then we'll do our feet. But all I want to do is for you to take some space and just kind of move it a little bit. So just your wrists, just moving your hands around. And if everybody does it, it's not so awkward, right? So we're moving it around, moving your hands around. And this is a gift of a blessing I was given. I, I don't have the resource, but it's a beautiful blessing I was given. And... Before I give that blessing, I want to say it ends with, for what has been, for what is, and for what yet may be, 
then we say a thank you. So we can all say thank you together when I speak that. And that provides our little body movement liturgy. Okay, so moving our arms, moving, or sorry, just our hands. And I say a big thank you breath for my beautiful, resilient, flexible, and strong, fit and trim, good working, magnificent, miraculous hands and wrists. Now I'm going to say the final blessing and you can join me with thank you. For what has been, for what is, for what yet may be, thank you. Okay, now stretch a little bit more, a little more of the moving your elbows around. I'm starting to feel like I'm doing the chicken dance up here, but that's okay. Moving your arms around. And then listen to this again. It's just a beautiful blessing. A thank you for my beautiful, resilient, flexible, and strong, fit and trim, good, working, magnificent, miraculous elbows, arms, and shoulder. For what has been, for what is, for what yet may be, thank you. All right, now our feet. You put your right foot in. Okay. Start kind of moving your feet around a little bit. Wiggling around. And we say a thank you breath for my beautiful, resilient, flexible, and strong, fit and trim, good working, magnificent, miraculous ankles and feet. For what has been, for what is, what yet may be. Thank you. And then one more. We'll get moving a little more and get that blood flowing. And listen to this final reading of this blessing. A thank you breath for my beautiful, resilient, flexible and strong, fit and trim, good working, magnificent, miraculous, legs, knees, hips, for what has been, for what is, for what yet may be, thank you. I hope you have the gift now of appreciating the connection both between being in our bodies um, as a spiritual practice and appreciating the gift we have been given to our beautiful, resilient, flexible, and strong, fit, trim, good-working, magnificent, miraculous bodies. For what has been, for what is, for what yet may be. Thank you. Bless you. I invite you to open your hands again. You don't have to move them this time. But I don't mind if you notice them and maybe they're not as they once were, but they are a thing of wonder. And they symbolize a heart open to receive and to receive the blessing that Jesus has for you this morning. So as you go from this service, whether you're here in this room, whether you're watching online, go with the knowledge that you are fearfully, wonderfully made, that there is an awe and respect, not just to your spirit, but to your body as well. And may you experience God's blessing 
as you walk, as you sit, as you live out each day in this body that's been gifted to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.